Hello listeners, before we begin this episode we've got some exciting news for you. We're doing our first live show at this year's London Podcast Festival in King's Cross on Saturday 14th of September at 12.30 midday. We'll be joined by not one but two special guests, Helen Zaltzman and Martin Olstwick, who you'll know from The Illusionist, Song by Song and Answer Me This podcasts. And yes, it's the same Martin who wrote our lovely theme music. I'm very excited to be chatting to them on stage after the movie. Together we'll be watching Safety Not Guaranteed, Colin Trevorrow's 86-minute time travel comedy from 2012. Afterwards, we'll be having a chat about their choice whilst recording an episode of this very podcast. So for only 9.50, you get to watch a film and see a live podcast recording. And I think that is a total bargain. Tickets are available now from kingsplace.co.uk. The link is in the show notes. That's Saturday, 14th September at 12.30 midday. See you there. Hello, I'm Sam Clement, and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, we're joined by filmmaker Amy Adrian, director of the excellent feature documentary Half the Picture, which I had the privilege of seeing on the big screen back at Sundance London 2018. Hello, Amy. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very happy to do this. This is going to be really fun. Thanks for inviting me. And you're dialing in from Los Angeles? I am. That's right. It's morning here. So I have my coffee, even though I know it's later in the day for you. It's a good strong 5 p.m. here ready to start thinking about maybe something a bit stronger like wine or beer yeah you, you have your pint i have my coffee we're ready to go going back i guess a year now to sundance london 2018 it was such a joy to see have to picture at that festival and i think that festival had a really good strong lineup of directors but have to picture being about filmmaking industry felt like really at home alongside all of the excellent films that we were playing well it was such an honored to be part of the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, and then to be invited to, that's where we had our world premiere in January 2018. And then to be invited to Sundance London was just like the cherry on top. I mean, I had the best time. The films were so good. I got to see a bunch of the films there. And the filmmakers were just fun and the audiences were really engaged and asked smart questions and the Q&As weren't boring, (laughs) which is always nice. Yeah. And the film that that we made, Half the Picture, really is a love letter to filmmaking. And it features obviously women film directors. But I think anyone who loves cinema, who appreciates art, who appreciates storytelling, especially when it's hard you know, can appreciate a lot of the stories in that film. Half the Picture is your feature debut and, and you've had a you've made a number of shorts and, and worked on a whole bunch of other stuff. When did you know Half the Picture was going to be your you know your long form debut as, as director and filmmaker? You know, I found myself a few years after film school, I had gotten married, I had two sons, that kind of, you know, took up a good part of my life. And then as they were a little bit older, I just felt myself kind of getting that itch. Like I just, I have to make something. I'm getting really antsy to make something. And this issue about women directors and how there are so many of them and they're so talented, but they get hired at such lower 
you know, rates than than male directors do seem to be just kind of in the airwaves everywhere. Mm. And I just felt like I really wanted to explore that more. And and I wanted to use that as an opportunity to sit down with women directors who I admire immensely. And so we just started making the film. We just started doing interviews with, you know, great directors like Miranda July and Catherine Hardwick and Ava DuVernay and Gina Prince-Bidewood and Karin Kusama and all these great people. And, and then that, that film kind of became my, my feature film debut, but there was really no, it was what I was drawn to at the time and something I'm very passionate about. In terms of the, the form of the film, it's a lot of interviews with you and the filmmaker and it's sort of shot like a, a talking headpiece. I guess at the beginning, it might be hard to anticipate who is going to say yes and who's going to come on board. But you end up with such an incredible lineup. You mentioned a few names. It feels like you had a lot of buy-in from your subjects. You know, we did. And we we, we made the film in a very independent DIY kind of way. We had started out with no financial backing anywhere other than from, you know, putting stuff on credit cards ourselves, which is, you know, exactly what you're not supposed to do. And as you mentioned, I mean, this is my debut film. I'm not an Oscar, you know, award-winning documentarian who they would have felt like, oh, I have to sit down with this person. You know, it's always a little bit of a risk for these filmmakers and they don't know how they're going to be treated and how their stories are going to be treated. And I'm just so grateful that so many of them, you know, said yes. And, And I think we're very candid in their interviews with us and kind of went a little bit deeper than I think they do in you know, interviews you do when you're promoting a film or something. So I'm just, you know, I'm so grateful to them for telling their stories as honestly as they did. I think change really happens when people do speak up. So I'm I'm so grateful that so many of the people did. And I think it was just the right time for that. I think even a year or two earlier, I wouldn't have had even half of the women would have, you know, felt comfortable sitting down with us. And we were really well prepared in the interviews. I think women had really good experiences in the interviews and then kind of recommended their friends. Oh, you have to speak to, have you spoken to Lena Dunham? Have you spoken to, you know, Mary Heron? And they helped make introductions and that was really helpful. It sounds like you must have had hours and hours and hours of footage. And, and ultimately, I mean, this is a podcast about runtimes. And I think your film is about 94 minutes long. I just missed your show. I just missed your show. It's Very so sad. close. There's so many all, know, you know, also rands who could be in yeah, the festival. That's right. It sounds like you had a lot of footage as you, as oh, you yeah. went through this. And I guess, when did you know you had enough? Because maybe there were some pending requests that you might have had to call a day sure. on. And, and how did you whittle it down to 94 minutes? Yeah, well, we always knew, I mean, I love a 90-minute film. I love the idea of this podcast. I think it's fantastic. Some of these films, my God, I mean, I love Marvel movies. I love movies in general, but you're like, oh my gosh, how many endings can we have? Just end your movie already. They're so long. You know, we wanted the film to really move, to have energy, to feel punchy. And, you know, with this kind of topic that could be seen as a little bit challenging, we wanted the film to just have energy and you know, not feel like a homework assignment in any way. So part of that was just cutting it down to really the the most key essential pieces of what everyone said. And that was a real beast of an edit. When we had our first kind of assembly edit, it was like two hours and 45 minutes. And I loved every second of that cut, but we weren't going to ask people to watch a two hour and 45 minute film about women film directors. We really wanted it to be tight and sharp. So that involved a lot of losing a lot of stuff that I loved. 
So for this podcast, the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, we set you some homework, challenge to choose a, a film that's under 90 minutes long that you'd like to present at our fictional film festival. When this came through and, and the question included the runtime, did that make it harder to answer or did, or did you immediately have something you wanted to go for? You know, well, this film, so I picked this film, Parsley Days by Andrea Dorfman, which is a film that I have loved for, it came out in 2000, so for years and years. There are certainly a handful of films that feel like, you know, your mind goes to those special films that you feel a connection to, and maybe are films that not everyone talks about. So there were a few that I also, of, of course, had to like look up their run times and be like, wait, is this one or that one? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a fun challenge to think of a to think of a film that's 90 minutes or less. And, that, you know, it's just so fun. I mean, you know, if anyone's listening to this podcast, you're a film lover. You you have that kind of Rolodex in your mind of films that have just struck you and stayed in your heart. And just to even have that mental exercise of running through them is really fun. Parsley Days, a pregnant woman, Kate, questions whether or not she should leave her partner, Ollie, despite him being the object of envy for many of Kate's friends. So it's a very brief synopsis. <laughs> yes, and I feel like perhaps does not capture the tone of the film that makes it sound like it's a drama when in fact it's a very, I don't know how you describe it. I mean, like quirky is a little bit of a disservice, but stylistic and... No, you're right. Stylistic is, is absolutely should be mentioned on here. And... The fact that it's, it's it's quite a vibrant world, you know, there's loads of young people. Yeah. They don't mention her friends right. or her job. And I think all of that colour really makes the film. Yeah. I mean, I love this film. I remember I worked at a film distribution company called First Run Features in New York for a number of years. And I programmed a short film series. And two of this filmmaker's short films I saw... At a, at a film festival, and I loved them. Two, the shorts were called Nine, and the other one was Swerve. And they just really struck me. And then actually our distribution company, First Run Features, wound up acquiring the rights to those films. And so I just knew of this filmmaker and was really excited by her. And then I saw her first feature, which is Parsley Days, at a screening at, I think it was then called like IFP, so like Independent Film Project in New York, and it was, you know, maybe 20, 25 of us at the Angelica Film Center in New York City watching this film. And I was just floored. I mean, it's so personal. It's so, it's shot so interestingly. It just takes subjects that are often dealt with in a very melodramatic or cliche way and just turns them on their head. I mean, I just, I love this film. I feel like, because this is my first time seeing it, and, and I have to say, Andrea Dorfman in the UK, I don't know what her sort of presence is like in, in the US, but really, I was asking some of my friends who work in cinema here, and not many people had heard of her or, or had definitely not seen any of her films. And seeing this, it feels like such a shame. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's... I don't think anyone in the U.S. really knows who she is. I was actually kind of shocked, and it was this podcast that made me kind of look up to see what she's been doing, and she's actually quite a prolific filmmaker. She works in Canada, so she's not in New York or Los Angeles. She's had a ton of short films and a few features that have played at the Toronto Film Festival. She's won awards at the Toronto Film Festival. But I would imagine both being a woman, making films about largely topics related to women with centering female characters and being based in Canada you know, that's not really the center of the film world. None of those elements kind of put her at the center of the film world. 
so I, you know, I don't think anybody really knows about her, even though she's made a ton of work and she's won a couple of Emmys for her short films. Mm. But I was thrilled when I was looking her up for this podcast to see that she's making a new film with Chelsea Peretti, who's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and who's she's married to Jordan Peele. And she's, I mean, an incredible presence on Twitter and she's funny as hell. So I was like, oh my God, some somebody has like recognized how talented this writer, director, Andrea Dorfman is. So I'm so excited to see her new film and thrilled that like, you know, I would guess that's, a, you know, a little bit more of a budget for her to work with, with a, you know, with a star that people know. So I'm so excited about that. No, totally. I, I did it's the same thing after I saw this movie. Like, uh, First of all, was, where can I see any of her other films? And listeners, if you're in the UK, Andrea Dorfman has one documentary on Amazon Prime, which you can stream for free as long as you're a Prime member. That's a good thing. Otherwise, I think it's a case of looking at importing DVDs. But uh, hopefully when the Chelsea Peretti film comes out, maybe some a savvy distributor can pick up the back catalogue. That's right. And there are so many in the US. She has a number of her shorts are available online. I show this one short that she won an Emmy for called Flawed. She does a lot of animated work. Also, it's a 12 minute animated film. I cry every time I see it. It's so beautiful. She just has a really specific directorial vision that Mm. takes really big ideas, but makes them very personal and tells these stories with a lot of humor and in an unexpected way. So I just, I, I adore her. I'm such a fan of her work. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You are way too late to be forgiven. I know, I know, I know. But I'm here now. My bicycle bell got stolen because of you. Please don't be mad. Are you mad? No. Really? Really. Are you sure? I'm sure. Are you positive? I'm positive. You're positive. I'm pregnant. Good. I'm so sorry. I just lost track. What did you just say? I'm pregnant. You're right that the, the sort of the, the blurb on, on iTunes doesn't quite do it justice because in her films, there's so much added visually. Like, I love the main character in this is, has these sort of imagination scenes, these flights of fancy where you'll cut back to characters in different costumes or like it might show her mental state when she's feeling isolated and she's wearing a big like snow coat and a woolly hat. And, and I, I sort of love that. And I feel like it's, considering this was made in 2000 initially, I've seen that stuff from later productions, but not really from stuff made in 2000 or before. It feels like she was quite ahead of her time. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's if it goes to the woman director thing or that she's, again, kind of based in not a film media center or what to attribute it to. But I think this is the kind of film, certainly for me, that you put in the same category absolutely with you know, Richard Linklater's Slacker or Kevin Smith's Clerks or Bottle Rocket or Me and You and Everyone We Know from Miranda July. I mean, they are small films made with no money, made with so much boldness of, of formal style and tackling often topics that you are not used to seeing in film before. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I think she's just, she's so inventive in her, in her style in this film. And I mean, I love the, you know, the guy who's kind of like the love triangle guy. There's the, you know, the, the film's the story of Kate and Ollie, this couple who's been together forever and they're both just good people Mm. and everyone kind of admires their relationship, but Kate's fallen out of love with Ollie but everybody just talks about how great Ollie is, but Kate winds up having this little mini fling with this student in her class. And, you know, the student kind of, and everybody in Halifax rides on bicycles. No, there's not a car in the whole movie. You know, it's all so like 
quaint and, you know, everything's primary colors. And it's just this really like visually fantastic world. But this student who she kind of keeps seeing throughout town, just like rides through the screen on his bicycle in slow motion with these great sound effects of like, you know, bubbles (laughs) popping. And I mean, it's just like, it's such great filmmaking and it's so clever and it's has so much, I don't know, wit and humor and, She's she's a filmmaker for sure that you look at this. This film apparently was made, it was a $65,000 budget. I mean, it was local actors, local mu- musicians for the soundtrack. And I just think it's such a gem, such a like perfect little gem of a film. I think she utilizes what's available to her to great effect and it makes it feel like it's yeah. a much bigger production because it looks like it's all been... Even this town is so beautiful, but it looks like it's been set designed. You know, right. it feels like you could see this on a back lot and someone would have spent, you know, months and months painting all the doors and, and you right. know, building all of that stuff. But right. I guess she just it's, has this at her fingertips. Right. It's like the umbrellas of Cherbourg or something, but just in this tiny little Halifax town. It was funny. I just watched this again last night with my husband and he was like, you know, is it weird that this makes me want to go to Canada? I mean, the world is just so specific and cute and they're on their bikes and then they're at the lake in the canoe and yeah I think Andrea Dorfman just has such great visual style and it's the color and the composition and lots of wide angle lenses and just really creative bold choices in the filmmaking that that she made this with what she had you know at, at hand with not a lot of money you just think wow give this filmmaker some resources and and really interesting things are going to happen something that struck me was the use of the camera in this film we see lots of shots which like like beautifully composed but also like really inventive stuff like there's a a whole scene in in the point of view uh, between two characters and I think that comes back again maybe later on in the film but it really struck me that we're we're now going sort of full point of view or a conversation first of all about how to use the parsley uh, as mentioned in the title Right. Right. I guess we should say that also that that Kate becomes pregnant and she does not want to be pregnant. And her friend, who is an herbalist, Mm. suggests that she eat tons of parsley and make tea out of it and drink it and take baths with it. And so she just has, you know, in every scene after she is told to do this throughout the film, she has these giant, you know, jugs of water filled with parsley and she's munching on parsley. And so that's where the film gets its title. But yeah, I mean, and I think it's just so smart. I mean, so many of us first time filmmakers, you don't have a big budget. You don't, you know, Chelsea Peretti's not going to be in your first film. And you're not going to get a crane and you're not going to shoot it on, you know, the RE whatever. You're going to shoot it on whatever camera you can access and you're not going to get a bunch of lights and you're not going to get a big crew. I mean, for any kind of emerging filmmaker, this is such a smart film to see about just how you can get so much style and and just so much like visual bang for your buck if you're just creative in your filmmaking choices. And she uses the camera to such great effect when, you know, at one point they're kind of at this bar and they're watching a band play. There's all these wide angle lenses and the band is kind of like distorted and people are dancing and the main character is feeling very isolated and alone because she's supposedly in this great relationship. She knows she's pregnant and she hasn't told her boyfriend yet and she wants to break up with him. And, you know, the camera just so well communicates that. And it's just smart filmmaking. It's not fancy stuff. It's not stuff that you need a lot of gear or crew or tech. It's just intentional filmmaking. And she does that throughout. I mean, every scene is so is is kind of covered and shot in such an interesting, intentional way. So I think it's a real 
lesson in what you can do, even with with really modest resources, if you're just creative in your storytelling. In that scene you mentioned in the Bardas, the band playing are really good. I really liked that song. I know, right? And I love yeah. all of the music in this film, but I, I think that yeah. sort of adds another layer. Like having a great soundtrack really helps sell the film movie. Absolutely. And I think it's another lesson in indie filmmaking in that I think those are all local musicians. I mean, all the actors are local actors. And no, I love the music in the film. And some of it's kind of poppy and quirky and and fun. And toward the end, some of it is definitely a little bit more melancholy. I mean, ultimately, it's a film about two best friends who realize, at least the the woman, Kate, realizes she's not in love with her best friend anymore. And he's in love with her. And, you know, I think especially in our... 20s and in our early relationships I think a lot of people can relate to that of you know a relationship with someone you love has kind of run its course and no one's at fault and it's not like a screaming slamming doors kind of breakup but it's just it's a sad melancholy like reality and and, and toward the end of the film I think the music beautifully plays to that whereas you know earlier in the film it's kind of more more fun and light we're lucky Maybe. Do you ever doubt our relationship? Never. The whole time we've been together, have you ever wanted to break up with me? No. What would I have to do for you to want to break up with me? Do we have to play this game? We should also talk about the the lead, Megan Dunlop, who's Mm -hmm. an amazing actress who I've never seen before and I don't think she's done a whole load of work since. Yeah. And I think she's kind of, I mean, I, I find her performance kind of fascinating because it's kind of like the performance of doing nothing. I mean, she's not like a real, you know, like, I feel like she just kind of is. And there's no, you know, if you take acting classes, they tell you the worst thing you can do is indicating it means you're like trying to show that you're upset or you need to show that you're, you know, sad. And like, there's just no indicating. I feel like she's very kind of real, but, you know, not showy in any way. And I think in some ways she's a little bit of, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like a blank slate, but I feel like she's like, we all can kind of put ourselves in her position because she doesn't, you know, she's, her performance is very kind of restrained and she's, she's in the moment. But no, I think she's, I mean, everybody's great. And all the friends are great. The guy who plays Ollie is great. I mean, they're all just so fun to watch on screen. They're like beautiful to look at and interesting and kind of not your typical, you know, none of them look like, you know, necessarily like Hollywood actors or whatever, but they're all really interesting, beautiful to look at and bring kind of an unusual essence to their characters probably like a lot of just who they are as people you know so I think the film feels very real because the characters just feel like they're not trying they're not quote-unquote acting you know they feel like they're acting their age which might be a weird thing to say but often we see actors the older actors playing younger in in movies right. uh, you know like high schoolers being played by people in their mid-20s and right. and in this it feels like these are all a bit like what we've seen later on, I guess, in, in shows like Girls or in Broad City, like people acting their age and right. their age being the subject of this, like capturing the essence of what it's like to be these young, I think they're like young 20s maybe in this film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they're all great. And again, it's, you know, it, it's such a it's such a lesson in just, you know, human beings are interesting. And I feel like sometimes when you make films, you feel like you kind of have to whitewash people to these cliche characters. And like, if you just use, you know, a handful of interesting people who, you know, in your life and allow them to bring that personality and that character 
you know, to who they're playing on screen. I think really interesting things can happen. And certainly like many, many filmmakers have used that, especially in their early films, certainly with clerks or slacker or bottle rocket, you know, it's the filmmakers using their friends and those friends having just letting what's special about them shine on screen. And I think she does a great job with the characters in this film. So the film set in 2000 and it had some real sort of like, 2000 moments yeah like, uh, the cell phone yeah <laughs> she takes out this like it looks like i'm like is she carrying her home phone around it's like this giant thing you're like oh right it's a different time they go into a a clothes shop at one point and the dresses oh. are two dollars and it right. just felt like ah yeah the past <laughs> yes or even that thrift shop i mean i i think that's both part of the era of 2000 and also i think of that age i mean i remember going thrift shopping like all the time you know i'm not 20 anymore so i don't do that as much but that's just it i mean and that was such a clever scene and how she covers it and you know the women are kind of taking turns trying on stuff and the doors of the dressing rooms are all these different bright colors and just this back and forth in these two characters it's shot and blocked and staged so interestingly but yeah that's definitely of of an era and of an age you know that's that's pretty specific eat as much parsley as you can manage in every form you can think of make parsley sandwiches drink parsley tea munch on it as a snack turn it into a pasta sauce put pasta sauce on it safe to eat all that parsley yeah parsley has more potassium vitamin c calcium and iron than spinach it's a bit of a phenomenon herbally speaking one other thing of the things that make me really love this film is how i think authentically and realistically it presents experiences that we have in life that i think are so often portrayed and i kind of mentioned this before in a little bit of a melodramatic way that doesn't reflect reality and again i think that like kind of the two like big issues of the of the film are that kate needs to break up with this guy who she does love but is not in love with and kind of the you know what it's like to upend your life that's pretty comfortable and hurt someone who is a good person because you're not, you know, you need to be honest with them. And the other issue is abortion. I mean, this is a film about a woman who gets pregnant and I won't say the specifics of how she gets pregnant because that's part of kind of the mystery, the storytelling of the film, Mm. but it's an, it's an unintentional pregnancy and you know, obviously, certainly in the U.S., this is a huge political topic. And, you know, people get up in arms and there's so much storm and drong about it. And in the film, you know, Kate doesn't go off and agonize about what should I do? And she doesn't, you know, feel bad. She she goes to the clinic and her best friend joins her there. And, I mean, it's like the sweetest, I think, most revolutionary you know, piece of storytelling that her ex-boyfriend, like her best friend meets her at the clinic with a a card that her ex-boyfriend has given her. And it says like things to think about when you're, you know, other things to think about when you're having an abortion. And it's a whole list of think about eating your favorite fruit. Think about having your feet on the rocks, you know, in, in the lake. Think about traveling to a place you've never been and exploring it and just a whole list of things that she can think about. And it's such an act of kindness and empathy. And it's just a complete reframing of the idea of abortion and 
taking it out of this political religious battle and putting it in a very personal space. And I, you know, I, I cry every time I see the film at the end. And I think it's just very kind of true to, you know, experiences that women have. And it treats that with dignity and, you know, in a way that I think really is very revolutionary. So I just, I love that, that about the film and it's kind of quiet, not protest, but declaration that like, you know, she's doing what she needs to be doing and she doesn't have to agonize over it and she doesn't have to explain it to anyone. And, you know, I think that's very reflective of what a lot of women's experiences may be. So I, I, I love that the filmmaker, you know, told that story and then just telling that story. That's a, that's a bold act that undermines so much of what we've been told collectively in the culture about those kinds of experiences. Absolutely. I love how the protagonist, Kate, knows exactly what she's going to do with this. Like Her mind is made up and she is in control of, of her body and, and her future. And again, it felt very timely watching this now when you're right, it is in the news a lot over here. As we hear the news from the US for the 2000s, like this must have been mind blowing. And I think it's, you know, maybe in some reason, you know, some part of why a film like this doesn't get the, you know, the, the air it needs to really spread far and wide. I mean, I think maybe that's something that makes people feel a little uncomfortable or, you know, who, who knows, but it's, you know, I think it just goes to kind of the bigger somewhat, not, not cliche, but the, you know, the representation matters thing of like, people just need to tell their stories. And often those stories are not, are, are in opposition to how, you know, other people have told them for a very long time. And it may be different. It's more subtle. It's, And, you know, it's why it's important to have women making movies and all different kinds of people making movies who Mm. haven't had that opportunity before, because the stories they're going to tell are not what we've seen before. And that's really fresh and it feels authentic and a little dangerous and wonderful. It feels very authentic and like we're getting her take on these subjects. It feels very personal and we're seeing it sort of through a maybe an exaggerated sort of prism of of you know how how she wants to interpret these things and i i really i really got that i sort of dug it and it made this film feel like it could have been made this year you know and that's i mean she has what you know the the catchphrase of what every studio executive wants their director to have she has a strong directorial vision mm. she is not just you know putting a camera you know, at, at a scene and seeing what happens. She has a strong vision for what it's all going to look and sound and feel like. And that as the audience just makes you feel like, even if you don't connect with it, you have to appreciate it because she's really has a, has a design and, and a vision for the story she wants to tell. And uh, I think really excitingly, after being introduced through this movie, I now want to see the last 20 years of her work and I'm, I'll be counting down the weeks <laughs> until the Chelsea Peretti film comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about that too. And yeah, hopefully, I don't, it's so weird. Like I, we'll have to check out what's online in the UK, but a lot of her short work is online in the US. So people should definitely check it out. And it's all fantastic. She's a real gem of a filmmaker. So Parsley Days will play at the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest on the big screen, as it should be seen. And it sounds like you were lucky enough to see it on the big screen previously. I was. How would you like to introduce this film at the festival? Would you like to add any sort of activities or embellishments to the screening of Parsley Days? Ooh, what have people said in the past? That's tricky. I mean, of course, you've got to have like some parsley tea there or something at the event. You, you need to have some parsley like 
you know, cookies or parsley tea or, you know, a parsley cocktail, perhaps. What have other people done with their films? Uh, we'd be very happy to supply a parsley menu. That's, that's easy to do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them have been involved bringing the world of the movie, I guess, out of the, the screen uh, into the auditorium. This doesn't have to take place in a certain place unless we all want to go to Halifax and screen it, which would be lovely. But yeah, you know, maybe there's some, maybe it's a combination, like people bring their bikes for like a bike fix update. We didn't even mention that, but Kate is like a bike, you know, repair teacher or something in the film. So then everybody rides their bikes everywhere. So maybe it could be a combination, bring your bikes and kind of get them fixed up and ready to go if they need, a, you know, to be refurbished. And while at the screening, there will be various parsley treats. That sounds perfect and really practical as well. You know, bring your bike along, get it tuned up, have That's some right. healthy tea, watch mm-hmm. a great movie, only 77 minutes long. <laughs> That's right. If you could invite a special guest to the screening, who would you invite? Are we allowed to invite the filmmaker? I mean, Ab- Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I because I worked at this uh, distribution company and we picked up some of her films. I mean, I have been in touch with her years ago and she was just a great person and just, you know, one of these super creative people. Something that I really admire about her, I think someone, I mean, she's just been making work constantly. Every year she has like new short films and they play it at Canadian festivals and festivals around the world. But she seems like someone who spends a lot of time making work and Mm. maybe not as much promoting herself or, you know, getting to the, the, you know, bigger film communities to like do the hustle you need to do to get a, you know, a bigger name for yourself. But you know, she's someone who's been working consistently for the past 20 years. That would be great to have her there and just give her give her a, a shout out and, and hear what she has to say about, about the film and dig a little bit into her, you know, director's creative mind. I, I think she's, I'm sure, got a lot to say. So that would be really fun. I think as a as the sort of fictional festival producer here, I'd I'd love to ask you to maybe do the interview because you've got such great form doing interviews with filmmakers. I think that would be a fascinating conversation after this movie. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, for sure. You got to get this festival happening. I am I'm co-signed. I'm on board. I love <laughs> this idea. And you know, like I said, especially in the era of like you know the two and a half hour long movie, you got to you got to give props to the to the to the short, tight, ninety minute films. Like, give you take you on a journey give you what you need and then you know there's some time to live the rest of your life or get drinks or coffee with friends so i'm i'm all about this idea that that's great to hear well we'll bear it in mind Let, let's see what happens Thank you so much for talking to us, Amy, and for bringing Parsley Days to the festival. It was a real discovery for me, and and say I'm I'm now a convert. I want to see all the films I can uh, by Andrea Dorfman. Where can people find out more about what you're up to online and, and follow you on social media? I'm on social media, just my name, Amy Adrian, and uh, our film Half the Picture is on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, but you can follow us anywhere on social media if you just google half the picture movie or half the picture doc we're we're out there I can wholeheartedly recommend this film and uh, and if it does become available in the uk we'll happily give it a shout out on our on our social media platforms as well oh, thank you highly recommend seeing it and are you working on a follow-up film now is there anything you can talk about yeah I, there's a couple things you know as an indie filmmaker you have to have a few kind of irons in the fire and i just started shooting this new doc about this woman and her mother who are these cattle ranchers in colorado and really kind of unconventional women 
running this sprawling cattle ranch. The younger woman's also a country music singer who writes all these songs about kind of life on the range and what she's had to give up and sacrifice to have the freedom that she has and kind of the challenges, but also the joys of of the life that she lives. And so we, we just started shooting a little bit of that last month and that was awesome. It's very different from half the picture because you're out in these huge, you know, it's mountains of Colorado and there's snow on the peaks and, you know, you're surrounded by 500 cattle and, you know, it's it was a very different experience that's been fun to start shooting. And then I'm attached to direct a film called Picante, which is by these two great young writers, which is kind of like a feminist Western comedy, just wild, raunchy, crazy, fun, very like stylized film that I hope we can raise some money to make soon. So I'm working on that one too. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's re- the script is so good. It's really fun. It's just, you know, it's just, a, it's like a movie movie, you know, there's a whorehouse and there's horses and things burn down and you know these you know women are sticking it to the man and it's awesome i think as a, as a filmmaker the prospect of potentially doing a western must be quite exciting because it's like one of the, you know, the, the genre of cinema <laughs> yeah yeah so exciting so we're we're hustling on that one Thank you so much, Amy. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this podcast. Uh, Please do review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We're a new independent podcast, so reviews on iTunes really, really help. We're also available on all good podcatchers, including Spotify. You can contact us at 90MinFilmFest on Twitter and Instagram. And we have a website with transcripts of our episodes on at 90minfilmfest.com. That's nine zero as digits, filmfest.com. The show is produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Osterwick and artwork by Sam Gilby. Thank you for joining us, Amy, and thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.